You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Sorry, they melvined me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So, that was one of my favorite movies back when I was younger. Um, it, it, it just it depends how much you really like that movie, whether or not you're going to get that. For me, that would be easy. I would hear that, and in an instant, I would know. Because when I was a kid, it was one of those lines that, you know, you repeated over and over and over again. But anyways, uh, sorry for the late, you know, uh, getting it out to you and whatnot. I uh, decided to sleep in a little bit today. I'm getting a little bit sick. I actually thought it was allergies, but it's getting to be something completely different. So I apologize to my coworkers for showing up with allergies for, for the last week. But um, yeah, this thing is starting to hit me a little bit. So anyways... And um, I already checked. My symptoms don't really line up with COVID, so I, I think we've avoided that. Pretty sure. I don't know. Pretty much every symptom in the world is a COVID symptom, but strangely enough, the ones that I have, like runny nose and whatnot, it's not really a thing. Congestion is, which I don't know how that works, but whatever. Probably don't have it. I'm fine. But anyways, today, um, obviously, we're going to continue on with uh, week three, which is the New Orleans Saints. This is going to have a slightly different tone, whereas I'm looking at the Vikings and got to make fun of them, and I'm looking at the Lions, and, uh, you know, I try to give them a little bit of respect, but it's still the Lions. This is a tough game, and um, there's really no way around it. So it's going to be kind of looking at their roster, um, and in a way... More so than even teams like the Chiefs or, I don't know, I won't say the 49ers, but, I mean, it's just such a not only talented but well-rounded team, whereas the Chiefs, you can pick on that defense and just be like, look, we got a shot because this defense is trash. If we could just get to Mahomes and lock down Tyreek and, you know, figure out something to do with Travis Kelsey, it's not going to be easy, but we got a way. The Saints, it's like, man, I don't, I don't even know. I'm not really sure what you do. But, anyways, that's what we're looking at today. Um, also, I just got done, well, got done, I, I, whatever, it doesn't matter. If you go to the Facebook group or check on Twitter or some other place where I am, you will see that I will be posting something, some, I don't know how long it's going to take, I'll pro- I'm probably going to try to overproduce this video when I could probably just upload it right now if I wanted to, but um, I'm doing something new and I don't know how it's going to go or if I'm going to have time for it or whatever, but I am actually pretty excited about it. I've really gotten into the, the video production thing. I've started looking at other guys, and there's I'm, I'm the least artsy person on planet Earth, which is why this is such a weird experience for me. I do like building, right? I love making something and watching it grow, like the podcast. It's a thing that's mine, and I have the opportunity to watch it to try to make this thing bigger. 
doesn't really matter what it is. Websites. I was the same way, right? It's just it's a my it's my thing, and I want it to. Grow. I want to see the numbers get bigger and bigger. It's just it's a weird thing. But but art itself has never really been a thing. But there's something about video creation that just I don't know. It just appeals to me. There's there's this artsy part of my brain that's been dead and dormant that kind of woke up a little bit. And so I want to explore that a little bit. And, and so I've got a a separate YouTube channel. That is going to be all about behind the veil, right? That one's not monetized or anything, so there's no real benefit for me other than I want to explore this for myself personally. Can I do this? What does it look like? And kind of just doing that whole kind of thing. But also for you, again, it's sort of a peek behind the veil. And it's hard to put into words what it is because it, it can be a lot of different things for a lot of different people. For some people, it's just a chance to kind of see what I do, right? So the, the beginning of the video is going to be this intro. I recorded it. Um, part of it is just going to be behind the scenes for the podcast. For some people, that's what they want, you know, just what, what are you doing? I mean, it could almost be like a tutorial. Like if you want to start a podcast, here's how you do it. Simple. You don't have to spend a bunch of money. I still use this piece of garbage. I mean, I'm, I'm considering updating it. I'm in this weird mode. I'm, I'm the cheapest person on planet earth, but sometimes I start spending money and I just get wildly out of control and I'm, I'm fighting off those demons right now. Cause I'm looking at stuff and I'm like, I got the money, but you know, just showing you that showing you youtube showing you the stuff that i've figured out but for other people it could be a more personal thing like why did i start doing this where am i at right now what are my goals and and just kind of following along with that and i'm you know gonna show the whole thing you know i I mentioned in the video i'm gonna keep out family and keep out financials at least for now because that seems kind of weird and slightly inappropriate maybe i'll I'll peel behind uh that at some point but as i said it's uh it's something that can't be undone, and if I regret it, then I, I can't take it back. So I'm going to refrain from that for now. But other than that, I, I just, I, I don't want to, I don't like that there's this, like, facade. And I know that's a big part of things, right? A lot of people, that's their whole basis for what they do is to make you think that they're bigger than they are. I don't like that. Everything about this podcast has been, I want this to be a laid back, like, I'm just talking, and you're just listening, and we're just hanging out. And the YouTube has kind of exacerbated that because there's so much fake about YouTube which is why I do goofy stuff like wear hats and ties and stuff, if you've ever watched the YouTube channel, because I just I want to detract from the phoniness. And so it's, it's just, there, there's a lot of good things about it. I get to explore that side of things and really try to get better with video creation and editing and whatnot. Um, I get to be more real and personal with the people that have helped support me all throughout what I've been doing. And it's also a way to give back for those that are interested. And for some of you, it's like, no, I don't really care about you as a person. And I'm not judging, because that's probably me. I don't I don't know. Maybe not, because, again, I'm, I'm getting invested in these YouTubers that are making stuff. I don't know who they are, but they're doing stuff, and it's like, I want more. But I also feel like I, I could possibly be that person that's like, no, just, just talk about Packers, and that's it. I don't care about you. <laughs> and I 100% get that. But anyways, that that's what I'm doing. And again, if you want more information on that, I don't even have a YouTube channel yet. That's part of what I have to do. But by the time the video goes up on Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, if I can remember, I don't Instagram. I don't like Instagram. I'm just going to say I just don't because you have to use your phone. Everything I do is on the computer. When I make a video, I make a video with the computer. When I make something with audio, it's on the computer. When I make graphics, it's on the computer. I like typing on the computer because the keyboard is easier to type on. But I can't do that on Instagram. I have to go to my phone. So I have to send videos and everything to my phone and then upload it. On. It's just, I don't want to do that. So it's dumb. So I, you know, I'll try to remember to get stuff up on Instagram. I just, I don't like that it's laid out that way. Anyways, lots of random ranting going on here.
Sorry again to the crowd that doesn't care. We're going to get into it. Um, let's just call it right now. We'll take a break. We'll be right back with the New Orleans Saints. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So the Saints clearly are a different kind of a team. Now, there's no guarantee that this is going to be a great team. Every, every year things change and we forget that. We just assume that teams that are really good are going to stay really good and teams that are really bad are going to stay really bad. Seemingly forgetting just, you know, things like the Chicago Bears completely falling off. We forget how the Rams were 13-3 and and then in 2019 went 9-7. How the Atlanta Falcons were a dominant team for many years. I mean, they went to the playoffs like every year with a dominant offense and for the last two years they've been 7-9. and nine. So, you know, things happen. But last year, the New Orleans Saints were 13-3. and This is the second year in a row they were 13-3. and And the year before that, they won 11 games. So they spent three years at the top. And I'll admit, it's hard to stay at the top for much longer than that. But when you look at their team, this is clearly a team that is dependent on their offense. They don't have a bad defense. Their points against ranked 13th, yards against was 11. So they're a little better than average. But when you just look at the wins and the losses for the New Orleans Saints, um, two of their four losses, including the playoffs, two of their three losses coming in the regular season, came when the offense scored less than 10 points. Meaning, in the regular season, when the offense just scored more than 10 points, which I guess kind of speaks to their defense a little bit, but generally they scored a lot of points. They were number three in that category. The only game they lost was against the 49ers, which consequently was the game in which they scored the most points because their defense just collapsed in that game. But really, the, the, even the Vikings game, when, when they score over 20 points, which was most of their games, they were uh, 1-11. and 11. And The fact of the matter is 11 of their games, they scored over 30 points, which is just ridiculous. So whereas some teams, I think the Packers' magic number was 24, the, if the offense of the New Orleans Saints was... Um, as good as the Packers offense, and it kind of comes down to if we can keep them under 24 points, we win. They would have lost to the Falcons, the Rams, the Vikings, the Texans, the Seahawks. Uh, Buccaneers scored exactly 24. The Panthers, the Bears, the Titans, the 49ers. I mean, all those teams scored over 24 points. In fact, a lot of them scored over 28, 28 or more. So this is just the offense outpacing everyone. And the defense 
And this, this is ultimately where the collapse comes in, because it's kind of the offense set such a high bar that the defense could fluctuate. I mean, the defense had some great games. They allowed six points against the Jaguars, seven against the Colts, nine against the Cardinals, 10 against the Cowboys, 10 against the Panthers. But they also allowed 48 against the 49ers, 31 against the Panthers, 28 against the Titans, 28 against the Texans, 27 against the Seahawks, 27 against the Rams, 26 against the Vikings, 26 against the Falcons, which is terrible. They did lose that game, but that's pathetic. 25 against the Bears, ugh. 24 against the Buccaneers. So the defense completely dropped the ball against teams that they should not be dropping the ball to, but the offense overcompensated. Right? Allowing 24 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers isn't great, but you scored a 31. You allowed 25 to the Bears, which is pathetic, but you scored a 36. Again, if this was a normal football team, if this was the, the, the Packers or whoever scoring 24, if you lose to the Bears 24 to 25, you're not a good team anymore. And that's what the defense did. So the defense is... Defense is a team that'll lose it for you, no question. This is a team that needs to have a high-powered offense that's scoring 30 or more points a game, which they are. So what I'm saying is if there's a weak spot, that's it. The defense isn't perfect, but if we can get the offense to drop its guard or just stop it, there's a very real chance here. And and the point is, um, although it's it's hard to point to exactly one thing that would cause it, like Drew Brees leaving or any, any kind of drastic changes like that, um, things just stall out sometimes. Again, the, what was the big thing with the Rams? Remember Sean McVay was just this god of a coach? Couldn't be stopped? He's the next big thing? Matt LaFleur only got a job because of Sean McVay and all that nonsense? They still got golf. They still got they, they got the same team. Just fell apart. I don't know. In terms of changes in 2020, a couple of the guys that they lost, um, cornerback Eli Apple, who's not all that great of a football player. He came over from the New York Giants. It does matter, though, obviously, for their defense as they're looking at a group. I mean, it's it's kind of a, a confusing group. And when you look at the volatility, this is kind of where that comes into play. You look at a guy like Janoris Jenkins, who's not terrible, but he's not great. You look at Marshawn Lattimore, and the assumption is he's one of the greats, one of the elite type guys. The fact is, I don't know what's going on with him. As a rookie, he was the seventh best corner in all of football. He was an, I mean, he was picked 11 overall in the 2017 draft. And that was a really stacked cornerback class, and he was considered the best in that class, and I think he was. Now, since then, I think Tredavious White has passed him. Uh, you could even say Marlon Humphrey has passed him. Kevin King has an opportunity to pass him. Um, but seventh best corner in his rookie year. Then he was the 18th best corner in his sophomore year, and now in year three, 53rd. If you just look at his grades, 86, 77, 65. I don't know what's going on with Marshawn Lattimore. Somehow he's getting worse every year. He's got the upside and the potential to be one of the best, but he seems to be regressing, and I don't know that I can say I've ever seen anything quite like it. And then in the slot, I'm looking at a guy by the name of P.J. Williams, who's just not a very good football player. They also lost safety Von Bell to the Cincinnati Bengals, three-year, $18 million. Um, Marcus Williams is their primary safety. He's only 24 years old, and he is a really, really talented guy. He was a second-round pick out of Utah, also back in 2017. So they, they really hit on cornerbacks. If they can get Marshawn Lattimore to pick it back up, to get Lattimore followed by William, who kind of reminds me of that Lions safety that nobody talks about but is really, really talented. I keep forgetting his name. Or the, the Vikings guy that people are just starting to talk about that's one of the best guys in, in football that was an undrafted free agent. Marcus Williams has been really impressive. Uh, with a slight di- dip in 2018, uh, 2017, he was the sixth best safety in football. 2019, the fourth best safety in football. No, these are not small sample size type things. He played the whole year. Um, 
and just just all around solid. I mean, he had almost a 90 overall grade in coverage, but he also had an 82 run defense grade um, and even a 70 pass rush grade for whatever that's worth. So, I mean, the guy is just extremely talented. And then outside of that, they got Marcus, uh, excuse me, Malcolm Jenkins. He's, I mean, he's just a solid guy. He did take a big step back in 2019, but if you look starting in 2014, 75, 76, 74, 74, 79, super consistent. This year is 69, so that's a bit of a dip. Um, and when you're looking at a guy that's 32 going on 33, it's possible that he's he's just going to continue that regression. But he's still a solid football player. So the, 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 first of all, the loss wasn't that big of a loss. It's not that big of a deal. The DB group, though, is it's teetering. On one hand, depending on which way things go, this is an elite defensive back group. If Lattimore can regain some of that, what he was, and Williams stays where he is, and Jenkins can just hang on for a little bit longer, and then the other Jenkins, who's their cornerback, can just kind of hang on to being good, not great. This is a great group. But if Jenkins, the safety, continues to regress because he's old, and if, um, you know, Janoris Jenkins, who's also old, continues to regress, and if Marshawn Lattimore continues to regress, it's, you know... Now they're a little bit in trouble. Uh, they lost backup quarterback Teddy Bridgewater to the Carolina Panthers. Um, I'm actually pretty excited to watch him play. I think he's an underrated football player. I know he's not elite elite, and if the Carolina Panthers are drafting early, obviously you want him to get a guy like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or whatever. But I think there's a, there's a, a chance that he could be something. I mean, the problem is he doesn't have anyone doesn't have anyone to, to play with, really. I mean, you got your running back. Obviously, that's great, but that's not enough to, to make this thing work. But yeah, whatever. They lost wide receiver Ted Ginn Jr., which I don't think is going to be that big of a loss because they brought in Emmanuel Sanders, who's clearly better than Ted Ginn Jr. The Bears picked him up, which the Bears just love picking up older, washed up. I mean, the Bears are doing essentially what Packer fans would love. Just every available wide receiver that's a big name that maybe was good once, you know, name recognition is all I care about. Just go get them, and then they show up, and they're not good, and then they go bye-bye. I'm just, I'm glad we're not the Bears. And then uh, linebacker A.J. Klein went to the Buffalo Bills. Um, Another safety that they have that they're using as a safety uh, linebacker hybrid is Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. They've invested a lot in DBs. Um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was a fourth-round pick but was seen as somewhat of a second-round talent. And then even if you look at the Jenkins, you know, they they picked up Janoris Jenkins, but he was a second-round pick. You look at Malcolm Jenkins, he was a first-round pick. It's just, you know, again, Marcus Williams was a second-round pick and Lattimore was a first-round pick. But uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is sliding into that linebacker role, which is going to help with that. Obviously, they still have Kiko Alonso. Um, he's, he had a pretty good year last year, and it's, it's one of those things where you look at him and it's like, hey, he had a decent year, but he's a terrible football player. He's never really been able to live up to his billing. But he came over to the Saints. It could just be a better fit. It could just be you know similar to a lot of those Bears guys who just really aren't that good that really broke out, like Prince of Mukamura. He's always been just kind of blech. But you put them in there with all these guys in this system and just everybody's so good at their job that you don't have to do very much. You know, I don't know. But I think the linebackers are going to be fine. Uh, as far as signings, I already mentioned a couple. Malcolm Jenkins they picked up. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders I mentioned. Pick up Jameis Winston as a backup quarterback, so they've got that in, in lieu of Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Dietrich Nichols, who was playing for the Houston Roughnecks, which is kind of funny. Margus Hunt, I only know him from the Colts because of... Uh, I think I remember him from Hard Knocks. I'm not sure. They also picked up Ty Montgomery, so it's one of those things where you kind of don't care, but at the same time, the Saints seem to know how to use those gadget-type guys, whereas the Packers didn't. So there's a good chance that Ty actually has a bit of an impact out there. Um, he's actually going to have probably a pretty similar role to what they use um, 
Taysom Hill for. Obviously, he's not going to be throwing the ball, but just a big body guy that you can put in the backfield or line up at wide receiver. Um, they're going to be able to utilize that. Otherwise, I don't think there's a ton here. Nigel Bradham, James Hurst, uh, Anthony Ciccolo, Benny Fowler, just guys. Um, and then the draft, they had almost no picks. So in the first round, they went Cesar Ruiz, the offensive center. Looks like there's a good chance they're going to be playing him at guard because that's kind of where they're weakest. And they've got uh, Eric McCoy, who was a second-round pick in 2019 that really had a fantastic rookie year. These, this team is just drafting really well. They picked up Zach Bond, who is a Wisconsin Badger uh, that a lot of guys were very excited about. Where they decide to play him will be interesting. I think most people liked him as a pass rusher, but this is a 4-3 defense, so I don't know really if they're going to want to put him hand in the dirt. They're probably going to play him at linebacker. And with, you know, this this group of guys, Demario Davis had a fantastic year. I mentioned Kiko Alonso. You got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson dropping down. You got Nigel Bradham. Um, it's, it's, it's probably going to be a good group. Some At least two of these guys are going to be able to step up. Uh, then they added tight end Adam Troutman, which wasn't a great tight end group, but uh, he was considered by some to be one of the top guys. Um, and then Tony, or excuse me, Tommy Stevens, the quarterback, which is, you know, not a thing to be concerned with. Then they got a bunch of undrafted free agents, but you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go through all of the. I know Calvin Throckmorton was considered at one point to be an, an early round selection, but obviously that changed quite a bit. But now switching gears and looking at kind of matchups. Again, this is not going to be easy. Marcus Davenport, who's the guy that they traded up with the Green Bay Packers to select, which we weren't too worried about because Davenport, you know, is kind of one of those maybe we get him, maybe not. And his rookie year, he didn't seem all that impressive. He absolutely broke out in year two. Um, he had a, specifically as a run defender, was more of his deal, but he went from the 36th, again using PFF, 36th best edge rusher, to 17th, which doesn't sound that impressive, but it is 84.1 uh, overall grade. 82.4 run defense, 73.6 pass rush grade. I'm sure some of you only care about uh, sacks and whatnot. He had 51 total pressures, 6 sacks, 10 hits, 35 hurries. I know that probably doesn't sound impressive. Oh, he only had 6 sacks. He's not that good. He only rushed the passer 355 times. And with 51 pressures, that's a 14.3% pass rush rate. That's really, really good. For context, Zadarius Smith, Smith rushed the passer almost 600 times. So if you take those six sacks and extrapolate it out over as many pressures and opportunities as Zadarius had, it goes up to 10 sacks. So he's he's kind of a, depending on workload, he's kind of a 10-sack guy. Which again, that's that's his lesser attribute. He's more of a run defender that also happens to give you about 10 sacks a season, again, depending on opportunities. And there, there's no telling how high this goes. Again, he went from a 69.7 overall grade to an 84.1. Maybe he regresses back. Maybe he continues to grow. I don't know what, what's going to happen with Davenport, but he took a massive step forward. Then on the other hand, you've got a guy that we know is going to be really solid, who's terrifying, Mr. Cam Jordan. This is a guy who's a slightly better pass rusher than he has run defender, but he's about even across the board on that. So the guys on the edge are going to be tough to handle. The good thing is if there's a weak spot on this defense, it's along the interior. They got Malcolm Brown and they've got, uh, let's see, Anyamata. Neither of these guys are overly impressive. Again, this is kind of the point with this defense. You can look at a situation where the Packers are going to be able to beat up on this team. The DBs and the linebackers are kind of in this question mark territory. If the corners kind of stay at this level and, and you don't get bounce back candidates like Marshawn Lattimore or whatever, Devontae's going to be able to feast, and, and really Alan Lazard might as well. If they 
you know, if, if Lattimore kind of regains some of that magic or, or Jenkins kind of has a, a solid game even because he's just kind of volatile, then it could be problematic. Similarly, running the ball. I know the guys on the interior aren't that good, but what about the linebackers? Well, Demario Davis was graded as the best linebacker in football last year. However, he's never been that before. And it's weird that he's kind of finding his, his groove with the Saints on the last three years of his career at 31 going on 32 years old. If you look at his, his grades from 2012 to 2016, 58, 52, 62, 51, 61, he's, he's below average and at best he's average. Then starting in 2017, 73, and you think, well, that's a fluke. Then he goes to 75, and you think, well, that's strange. He's 30 years old now. Then he goes to 90.3. What in the world is going on? And so you could easily say, okay, he's clearly going to regress, but is he going to regress? It First of all, is he? Second of all, is he going to regress back to the 70s, which is still pretty solid, or is he going to go back to being the 50-60 guy? Similar story with Kiko Alonso. He's been terrible his whole career. Is he going to go back to being terrible? Because that would be great. Or Nigel Braddock consistently out. Is he going to stay there? Because he's had some years where he's kind of broken out. There's so much volatility with this defense. There's no real consistency, right? I, I know what I'm getting from Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan has been basically an elite football player since 2015. I don't really see that changing. I don't know about anybody. I don't know about Davenport off the other side. But the point is, with the linebackers, if they don't really have a really good linebacker option, and if the Packers are able to exploit that, and remember, it's not just exploiting in the run game, which a lot of it is, especially along the interior, banging up against these guys, you know, smashing up the middle and whatnot. It's going to be harder on the outside with Jordan and Davenport being such big body guys that are going to be able to blow that up. But can we stretch to the outside against these linebackers? Can we work the middle with this defensive line and these linebackers can we attack the linebackers with our tight ends if these if the three guys i listed bradham alonzo and davis are are consistently good at one thing it's coverage so that could be difficult getting the tight ends going and then you've also got again chauncey gardner johnson if they want to if we're winning with tight ends they're just going to bring down their safety who is probably their number three safety possibly number two i don't know but they've got three with williams jenkins and chauncey gardner johnson so you bring down a safety to, to line up against our tight end so it's, it's, there's going to have to be a lot of that. And the, the good thing is, as much as we're not going to know who's getting better and who's getting worse, some there's going to be a weakness somewhere. And the benefit of an offense like the Green Bay Packers are going toward, as opposed to what we're going away from, is that what we're going away from is very much a, you know what we're doing, you know how we're going to do it, we're just going to be better than you. And the problem is when you get a defense like this where they've got strengths and weaknesses, they take their strengths and they put them against your strengths, and then it's just kind of a man-to-man kind of deal. Matt LaFleur likes to look at where are you weak and we're going to attack that. And we've got so many different ways. We've got you know Aaron Jones who's got a specific skill set, and then you've got A.J. Dillon who's a completely different kind of a skill set. We've got Jace and DeGuara where Jace is more of a you know, we're going to put them in the slot, we're going to attack, you know, your your safeties and your linebackers, and we're going to stretch the seam, and we're going to do all those kinds of things. And then we have DeGuara, who's more of the deception kind of guy. Am I going to stay in the block? Am I going to slip out? And then we've got the wide receivers, and we, you know, on top of all that. And we've got speed with Marquez, we got route running with Devon. There's so many different tools in the toolbox. Ideally, it's going to be an, an opportunity. And, and you look at the 49ers. The 49ers are that kind of an offense. That's the only team in which the Saints, the Saints scored more points against the 49ers than anyone, and they lost. I mean, it, that as far as the Saints' scores that year, that was their highest score was against the 49ers. They scored 46 points and lost. Why were the 49ers able to do that? Same reason they were able to do it to us. It's about find the weakness and attack it. 
And that's what they did. The, the 49ers looked at us and they said, "This you can't do this one thing. And they just kept doing it. And it's like it's like Madden rules where, you know, your buddy just finds that one play you don't know how to defend and he just runs it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. It's like cheating, but it's also like, well, just stop me. Why should I have to do something else if you can't stop this? Prove to me you can stop it and then I'll do something else. And we just, we couldn't stop it. And the 49ers did that to the Saints as well and they pummeled them. That's what we need to get toward. And, and it's going to serve us in the long run because it's, that's, in a, in a way, that's every team. No matter how good of a defense you have, there's going to be somewhere that you're weak. And the, the Saints are a team where you might not even know week to week, but we, we're going to try different things and we're going to mix it up and we're going to find out where you're weak and hopefully we're just going to stick with it. That was something else that, that Matt or Mike McCarthy never wanted to do. You'd find something that worked and then he would stop doing it and do something else because he wanted to do this thing. You know, we're going to try this and it worked great. Now, okay, great. I'm glad that running the ball worked. We'll probably do that like four more times and that's it. Now we're going to go back to 12-yard passes on average, you know, just launching the ball. It's just, yeah. Now, on the flip side, that's how we're going to attack the defense. What are we going to do to stop this offense? Fantastic question. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, we've got a great pass rush, but they've got a really, really, really good offensive line. Ryan Ramzik was graded as the number one tackle in football. That's their right tackle. Teron Armstead was graded as the uh, ninth best tackle, but in 2018 he was graded number one unbelievably talented offensive line now on the interior maybe not so much again they've got Ruiz who they drafted in the first round we'll see what happens with that I already mentioned Eric McCoy was a second round guy that did a fantastic job but at the very least they've got Andrews Pete at left guard who is really terrible so that maybe that's a spot but they also have Cook who's been a fantastic tight end and they have Hill and they have Emmanuel Sanders and they have Michael Thomas and they have Drew Brees graded it so they've got the number one tackle the number two quarterback, the number three wide receiver. That's how they graded out last year. On top of the number eight tackle, excuse me, the number nine tackle, the number four center, and the number eight tight end. The only good news I can see here is that Alvin Kamara is doing exactly what Marshawn Lattimore did. He's just been regressing every year. As a rookie, he was the number one running back in football, 90.4 overall grade. 2018, number four running back in all of football. This past year, number 32. But But here's the deal. We don't beat the, the Saints unless our defense gets better. And this is a team that's going to throw the ball a lot, but they're going to mix it up too. They've got tight ends, so we need to have safeties and linebackers that are on point. The pass rush has to be coming consistently. The corners have to be on point. If Kevin King's going to line up against Michael Thomas, he needs to be on point. If Jair's going to be against Emmanuel Sanders, you got to be on point. You can't be messing this stuff up. We're going to need a big jump from Savage. It would be nice if we had a jump from Rashawn, so we could have Rashawn and Smith on the outside with Zadarius on the inside with Clark, and it just keeps coming and coming and coming, and we just wreck their day. Because I think if we beat the Saints, it's going to be similar to how the 49ers beat the Saints. We can attack. We got to be able to attack the defense and put up a lot of points, and then the defense is going to have to be able to slow it down a little bit. I don't think we stop them. We just have to stop them more than they stop us. Now, that doesn't necessarily have to be the case either. Again, their offense had sputtered out several times. Nine points against the Atlanta Falcons? How? Nine points against the Rams? How? Twelve against Dallas, 13 against the Jaguars, 20 against the Vikings when they lost in the playoffs. But, you know, we've got two things going on here. Number one, pray for a miracle in which the Saints forget how to play football, which occasionally they do. Number two, become a really good football team. And ideally, that's that's the way that we do it, because as much as a win is nice, and maybe that's just what you got to hope for early on in the season, because you're not going to be in full swing. you got to hope the Saints kind of just aren't quite 
don't quite have this whole thing figured out. But in the long run, what good is that? In the long run, what you want is to have just a slugfest. And at the end of it, the Packers come out on top. Not because the Saints just are terrible and, you know, forgot how to play football. I mean, I'll take the W, but it would be nice if this was just a transformed team that, unlike last year when everyone said this is a bad team that somehow finds a way way to win, starts saying this is a really good football team and I don't know how anyone's going to stop them. That's kind of what we're shooting for. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch the Saints. I don't see them becoming a bad team. In fact, their roster, as far as I can tell, got better. Anything can happen. Anyone can fall off. You know, guys forget how to play. Thomas isn't the number one wide receiver in football anymore. Their their tackles aren't quite as good. Drew Brees has a down year. Whatever. But I, I, I see them as a very talented football team. And I see week three as a massive challenge. It's also worth pointing out that this is a prime time game. This is the Saints back-to-back second week uh, prime time game. So this is going to be for all of it. The whole world is watching. And it would be a great opportunity for the Packers to bust that narrative that this is a really bad football team that can't beat teams like the Saints and has to rely on picking on little teams and barely beating teams like the Giants and limping into the playoff and then getting wrecked when they come up against teams like the Saints or the Chiefs or the 49ers or whatever. It's a great opportunity to be able to do that, and I, I you know, obviously hope that that happens. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.